0: Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing, and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, folks, welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. As always, I am your host, Dr. Luis Sandoval. Hey, pleasure to be here talking about our Catholic faith, our Catholic health. Um, That's right, because even our health is Catholic. Once we understand our Catholic faith, we understand that everything about us is Catholic. It doesn't matter what we're thinking about, what we're doing. There's, you know, Catholicism. It just, it pervades our whole body in our mind and our lives. It goes everywhere uh, with us and it's part of us. So something to think about. Today's show, interesting show, I hope. Um how do you raise a man? What do you do? How do you, how does it, what does it mean to be a man? There's all these interesting questions that come up in today's society and a lot of people think that they have answers. Um, but the reality is it's not an easy task. It's not an easy task in today's day and age. When we look at it from a Catholic lens, if we look at it from a worldview, it's very simple. But when we look at it from a Catholic lens, um, it gets a little bit more challenging because the mission, the Uh, idea of what it means to be a man has never changed. It's always there, and we're given very clear directives by God. But before we get into the talk, let's ask the help of Our Lady to intercede for us. Let's go ahead and pray the Angelus here at the top of the noon hour. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, folks, well, let's get into it. Let's look at this topic. What does it mean to be a man? You know, it's an interesting topic. I've had people ask me this question before. I've had people um think about it in many different ways, but really from a Catholic perspective, uh, from the mission we've been given by God, what does it mean? And I think about it more, not just for myself, because one would think, well, yeah, sure, you know, Dr. Sandoval, you're a man, and uh, men must think, what does it mean, and what is it for me? But I think it becomes much more real uh, when we look at this through the eyes of a parent, once we are a parent, um, once we have children, and once you have either a boy or a girl, you know, it makes you think, it makes you think, what's my job? What's my role? For me personally, uh, my role as a dad, you know, as a father, what is my role? I think we'll have to do another show too on what it means to be a woman um, from a Catholic perspective and from the perspective of a father having to raise a woman. What is it that, uh, what is it that that means? You know, a lot of people might say, oh, Dr. Sandoval, you're not a woman. You can't tell me what a woman is or what it, what she isn't. Well, I better as heck know what a woman is because if I have daughters if I have a wife, if I have to interact with women, um, I better understand who I'm interacting with and, and what their needs are. Um, and the same, the same is true for, for men, even for us as men, we ask ourselves sometimes, well, what does all this mean? Because we have to ask ourselves, why were we placed on this planet? You know, we're so quick and it's easy in today's day and age to say, well, you gotta have a good career. And you have to, you know, strive to be, um, you know, the top of your company or make a lot of money or something along those lines. You know, it's very easy to, to think about, you know, being uh, a man in, in, in that way, you know, but the, the reality there is, is not so much what it means to be a man in and of itself. That's more of what does a man do? And is a man productive or not productive? Or is the person productive or not productive? But I thought about this a lot more now that uh, I have a son and I think to myself, what do I really want to tell him? What do I want him to know about society? And from a guy's perspective, I've been through, you know, the same age as he's been, he's very young right now, but you know, as he as he gets older, how am I supposed to guide him? Because really that's my job as a parent, right? So we need to think of this from a few different ways. So first let's take a step back and let's look at this as just from the parents perspective you know, from the parent's perspective, what I always think about first in terms of being a parent and trying to raise my children is the fourth commandment, you know, honor your father and your mother. Now it's easy to say, well, son, you're going to have to honor me. And that's the way it goes because look at, it's right here in the Bible. It's written down. It's commandment number four. You've got no other choice but to honor me. Yay. I can just sit back and say, yeah, that's right. You're going to do exactly as I tell you. You're going to follow what I tell you when I tell you, because that's what it means to honor me. And that would be a very, very selfish perspective, I think on the fourth commandment, because the reality is we have to look deeper into it. We have to look at it from the eyes of Christ, from the eyes of how God wants us to see that commandment. If I want to raise my child and I want him to follow the commandment of honor your father and your mother, I think the first thing I got to ask myself is, am I honorable as a parent? what is it that my child wants to honor? Does my child want to honor me? Do they understand what it means to honor me? I think that that's important to consider. And it might sound selfish at first because you're saying, well, you're making all this about you. I thought it was about your son and how do you raise a boy? But the reality is he's going to grow up and someday he's going to be a father, I hope, or whatever, wherever God's calling him. He might be a priest. He might be whatever it is, but he's going to have to understand what it means to be a son and what it means to be a parent, because regardless, you can't get away from that. And he's gonna to have to understand a few things. I have to ask myself, am I honorable? Am I doing the honorable thing for my son to show him what a man is supposed to be? So I need to understand this for myself as well. Once I ask myself that, am I being honorable? Well, what does that mean to be honorable as a parent? You know, I wanna raise my son, I want him to raise, to raise him right, I want him to honor me. I want him to be able to follow that fourth commandment. Am I making it easier for him? I think the first thing I have to admit to myself and that all of us as parents have to admit to ourselves, uh, which is not easy to do if I'm going to raise a son is that I'm not perfect. And I think he needs to know that. And I think he needs to know that not in a way that I bring myself down to tears and beat myself over the head and say, son, you know, I am not perfect and I don't deserve anything and I have sinned and I'm just going to go to hell. And that's that. No, that's a very hopeless, hopeless uh, perspective because the reality is I'm not perfect. And he needs to know that, but he also needs to know it from a way of what do I do with my imperfections? Because that's what he's going to have to grapple with as well. He's going to have to realize, because it's easy as a parent for me to tell him, dude, you're not perfect. You can't do it right all the time. You need to do this. You need to do that. This is why I'm giving you instruction. Because I want you to get it right. And I want to make sure you succeed. And there's all these things. But the reality is, I'm not perfect either. And what I'm really telling him when I'm telling him, look, I know that you're not perfect. This is a better way to go. That could easily be translated into, well, it's because I'm perfect. And that's what I know. That's how I know what to tell you. You know as kids how many times do we think our parents were perfect and do we ever remember that moment where we realize wait a minute mom and dad don't know everything mom and dad aren't perfect the way i thought they were perfect and what does that do to our image of our parents i think we got to get ahead of the game and let them know look i'm not perfect but i'm striving life is hard life is going to be hard life is going to knock you down There's going to be moments in life where you're not even sure which way you're headed. Uh, There's going to be moments in life where you're going to make decisions and you're going to wonder all the time, was that the right decision to make? Did this change the course of my life forever? Sometimes we ponder these great questions. Now, obviously when the kids are little, they're not going to be pondering these questions. But as we move forward, if I'm going to be an honorable parent, I have to let them know, yeah, you know, in many ways we're navigating this together. And what I need you to understand from as, as they get older, you know, at the, at the level of understanding right now at the two years old, he's not going to understand a whole heck of a lot other than he wants to play and he wants to, eat, well, he wants to eat and he gets mad if we can't stay at the park long enough and things along those lines. But the way I handle the situations for him are going to make a, a big difference for him. If I stick to my guns and I say, hey, this is what we've got to do right now. I know you're throwing a tantrum. You don't understand this right now, but down the road, You're learning how to deal with tantrums right now so that down the road, when you're dealing with things in life, you're already going to have dealt with this. You're already going to know how to to deal with feelings that aren't good, even though you have to do the right thing. Because how you feel is irrespective of what you've got to do, what you've got to accomplish, the goal you've got to accomplish. And it starts as simple as, hey, you know, no, we can't stay at the park. you got to go home. No, it's time to go to sleep. No, you got to get your diaper changed. Whatever it is that it doesn't feel good. At that moment, we got to stand strong. It sounds silly, right? Gosh, these are little kids. What do they know? They're learning everything. They're learning everything as we go. But as he gets older, I think I want to keep that in mind that when he asks me questions, that I'm not afraid to let him know, hey, you know what? That's a great question. I might not know the answer, but why don't we go look it up together? Or you know what? That's a great question. I do know the answer. I probably didn't at one point, but this is how I learned it. I got to take him down that path. So I got to ask myself as a parent, first of all, what does it mean? What does it mean to be a dad? What does it mean to be a parent? What does it mean to be a man in my position, raising another man and teaching um, another man? Well, really what it comes down to is I got to look at myself and say, I'm a parent. Am I being honorable? Am I being honest with my child? Am Am I having an honest conversation of, yeah, I understand that this is what you want right now but this might not be what's best for you because let's look down the road and let's look at what can possibly happen. And sometimes kids aren't going to see it. They're going to say, ah, oh, you're really out of whack. You're, you're making stuff up. You're being paranoid. But at the end of the day, you got to say, no, you got to trust me on this one. Sometimes, sometimes we got to take things with faith and that's going to be important. And we're going to talk more about faith and manhood when we come back from the breaks. All right, well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. Today we are talking about what does it mean to be a man, more from a perspective of what does it really mean to raise a man. You know, a lot of times for ourselves as guys, we don't always, uh, you know, we have this idea in society. What does it mean to be a man? Well, you better wear a leather jacket and ride a motorcycle, right? And so that's and that's very simple. That's what it means to be a man. Or, you know, we have different perspectives on you. You better have a, a nice aftershave smell to you. Or, you know, you better wear the right shoes and make sure that they're polished. There's lots of manly things, you know, wear a watch and make sure that it's well, that it's wound up and on time. You know, there's so many things that we say defines a man from a material perspective, but really we got to look at it from what is, what's the heart of a man? Where, where does the heart of a man come from? You know, I was looking here at the, uh, the book of Job. Um, let's look at Job chapter Job chapter 14, excuse me. The frailty of man is actually what it's called. The first, uh. Uh, verses, this is Job chapter 14, verse one, man that is born of a woman is of few days and full of trouble. He comes forth like a flower and withers. He flees like a shadow and (laughs) continues not, you know, it doesn't really make it seem like man is that much. And I think in many ways, we have to start to take that perspective of, you know, if I'm going to talk to my son about what does it mean to be a man? What is a man? I got to say, you know, we're not much. But I need to finish that. I need to have an honest conversation. I think that this is the most important part is, in order to raise a man, a good man, if I wanna raise a good Catholic man, I have to give him the truth. And I gotta tell him, we are not much, but I gotta finish the sentence, on our own. We are not much on our own, but we are everything if we turn our hearts, our minds, our eyes to God, to Jesus Christ, if we look at him as our model of perfection, then then we will be raised up. Then we will reach excellence. Then we will reach perfection along with him. I think that that's the important thing that I need to remember every time I have a conversation with my son, especially as he gets older, especially as he gets into those teenage years. Um, here's another great verse from that same chapter. Again, this is Job chapter 14, verse 10. But man dies and is laid low. Man breathes his last, and where is he? I like that last part because... A lot of times, I know that as we, as as men, as we're going through the world, a lot of people really want to leave what they call a legacy. And they say, oh, what's my legacy going to be? I see this all the time. In the corporate world, you know, in the business world, people want to leave their mark, like it's going to be important. You know, it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, ultimately, we're going to be forgotten about two generations. You know, two generations ago, do you remember every man who did everything for their company? Is anybody you know, that important and that great. Yeah, there's a few figures in history that we follow throughout, but how much of what we follow and what we read about them is actually true. You know, a lot of times it just becomes legend. It just becomes lore. It becomes that, you know, that idea that, oh, this man was so great because of this or that. But there's very few people, if you you think about how many men there have been in the history of the world to how many men we actually study in history, boy, it sure doesn't make a whole lot of difference, right? Because one of the challenges is, we are trying to look for fame. We are trying to look for legacy here on this planet, which is not lasting. What I really got to ask myself, and this verse is pretty bold, is, and where is he? Let's read that again, because this is important. But man dies and is laid low, laid in the ground, laid low. You can think of it in many, many ways. You can also think of it as laid low in humility, because death is a great equalizer. We're all going to die, and then what? Because it says, man breathes his last, and where is he? Once we die, we have that last breath. Where are we? That's really where the legacy is going to lie. Not so much as to, you know, notice that this does not ask, hey, son, where is your name going to be on all the buildings on this planet? Where are your, you know, are going to be in the history books? Are you going to be remembered here for being the greatest athlete ever? Is that really what your legacy is? Because once you breathe your last breath, where are you going to be? That's really what matters. That's really what it means for you to be a man is to understand a few things. And I think that this is what we really need to understand as Catholics. And this is what I would want to convey to my son and what I got, what I, I need to convey to myself on a daily basis is, you know, part of being a man is not so much. Some people have said, well, being a man means that you have a family and you have kids and you're not really a man unless you have children. Hmm. well Well, what, what's that to say about celibate priests who are never going to get married and never have children? Are they not men? Um, Or being a man, you know, means that you play sports and that you have your varsity letter jacket and that, you know, you, you, you were popular or things along those lines. Well, what about guys who just didn't want to play sports or never had the opportunity to, does that stop them from being a man? And I think that that's not necessarily the case you know i still remember in the hospital you go to the hospital uh, let's say your wife's pregnant and you're going to get that ultrasound and they're going to let you know what the sex of the baby is Is it is a boy is it a girl is it a boy is it a girl let's look on the screen let's see what genitals have formed let's see what's going on there and of course the tech tells you oh sorry i can't tell you you got to wait for the doctor to tell you because i'm not allowed to read this Okay, sure. But if you're savvy enough, I was there. I was lucky enough to be there with my wife while they were doing the ultrasounds, and I could already tell, um, you know, when it was a boy or a girl or whatnot. I was I was looking at the screen, and my wife was funny because she says, you know, I can't see anything on there. It just looks like snow. And I said, Yep, that's pretty much what the what the ultrasounds look like. They look like like snow. But after a while, you do enough of them, you know what you need to look for. Everything's kind of fuzzy at first, and then you start making little outlines. You start realizing, oh, this is a leg. No, this is what's popping up in and out of, the, of there. Usually it's easy to tell what the head is because you get this big, round, um, white uh, circle, and it just kind of gets bigger and smaller depending on how they're moving the ultrasound machine on there. Um, but the reality is that's kind of how I felt. You know, that, That's kind of how I felt when we were d- looking at that, and all of a sudden there's, there's a boy. And all of a sudden, you know, it was a great analogy for me because I thought, man, this feels like snow. I was used to having girls and now I have a boy and I wasn't, I wasn't ready for that because I thought, well, honey, you and I, we make girls, you know, that that's what we make. And we'll have a whole different show on what it feels like to be raising girls in today's day and age. Um, and what I really want to tell them. But as far as raising a boy, it felt like snow to me that I, I wasn't used to it. I was used to having girls. I was used to raising girls. I thought, gosh, maybe that's what our, our biology is good for. Maybe you and I are compatible For girls, maybe that's what your body likes to accept. Um, But all of a sudden, there's a boy. And I had to ask myself, it felt like snow in my mind. And I thought, I got to slowly learn to make the outlines. And my wife said, but you're a guy. How could you not know? And I said, no, it's different. You know, there's one thing to be raising myself, so to speak, or to be growing in my own skin. But now I'm responsible for another boy. And I think one of the things that I want him to understand, of course, when he's old enough, is that man dies and is laid low. Man breathes his last. And where is he? You know, we think about this every time on Ash Wednesday. Remember you are dust and to dust you shall return. And that's really what this is telling us. You're you're dust and to dust you shall return. But it doesn't finish the sentence. It doesn't finish it because to dust you shall return. So what? It should really say, and then what? And where are you at that point? You're going to turn into dust. What are you doing today that's going to get you to where you need to be? And I would dare say that for my son. I would tell him, you know, I don't know what your mission is. I don't know what your particular relationship with Christ is going to be. I don't know what God is calling you to do. That's a lonely place sometimes where you need to find that out on your own. And the only way that we're going to find that, because I can tell you why, because it's been lonely for me at times where I ask myself, Lord, you put me on this planet and you gave me a particular mission what is this mission? Because I don't see it today. I don't see it right now. You're going to find yourself in that situation. And as you're moving forward, I'm not always going to be there to be able to guide you or to see it for you. And a lot of times, even if I were there, I don't know that I would see it for you because it really comes down to what is your particular relationship with Christ? And that's what it's come down for me many times where I got to ask myself, what do I do? I can turn to my own father for advice. I can turn to my friends for advice. I can talk to the guys But at the end of the day, I need to make a decision. And I think, son, that that's where we get closer to understanding what it means to be a man. What it means to be a man is to turn our eyes to heaven and realize I was not always here. I am on this planet because I have a God who loves me. And I think I need to understand that he has a mission for me. I am what it means to be a man is I'm going to turn my eyes to God as a male and ask him, What is it that you want from me on this planet? Guide me. I'm going to lose myself. I'm going to die to myself, as Christ said himself. You know, unless a grain of wheat fall to the ground and die, it remains a single grain. But if it dies, if it yields a rich harvest, I think what it means to be a man is, hey, you need to die to yourself, to whatever desires you think you have that are worldly Are they in line with getting closer to God or fulfilling your mission that God gives you, which is going to be hard at times. It's not going to be easy. Some days you're going to get up and you're going to say, I don't want to do this. I'm ready to give up. I'm ready to walk away from whatever it is that I am doing. I'm going to find myself in that position. And then the question is, what does your heart do? What does your heart do in that moment? Does it decide I give up Or to decide, I don't see exactly where I'm headed, I'm blind right now, but I know that this is the right thing to do based on the commandments I've learned, based on the faith that my father gave me, based on the tradition of the church, I'm going to do what I know is right, and I'm going to let God guide me and participate in this decision. That's really, I think, what it comes down to being a man on an everyday basis, You know, you already are a man is the answer I would give to my son is if he were to ever ask me, what is it to be a man? I'd say you already are a man because that's how you were born. That's how I, ever since you were, you were conceived, God had decided that I saw it on the ultrasound, you know, biologically, you're a man. God made you a man. God made me a man. This is what you're already a man. It's not, what does it mean to be a man? Or how does one become a man? You're already a man. The question is, what does God want me to do with that? what does God want me to do with that between now and the time I take my, my last breath so that when I t- ask myself, where am I? I'm not going to be worried about where I am. Once I take that last breath, I was headed towards our Lord. It doesn't always feel that way. You know, there's going to be times on this planet where we don't see God. And what I mean by that is we don't feel Him in our hearts. We don't feel Him in our minds. We don't get that sense that I'm walking towards God or that God is even invested in me or with me. But this is where The eyes of faith are what moves us forward. Because once I understand God, I have to ask myself who God is, right? If we look at this from the perspective of Christ, like I said earlier in the show, I want to tell my son, don't look to me for perfection. Look to me for guidance because I've been there. But don't look to me for perfection. Look to me as somebody who's striving for perfection in spite of my frailties and my mistakes. Because you're going to find yourself in that position as well. You're going to find yourself in a position where What you're doing, you think you're doing the right thing, or you think you know better, and then all of a sudden you're going to come back and realize, you really messed everything up. That can happen. What do I do in that moment? Do I stay in that moment and feel like a failure? Or do I realize I need to get up and keep walking? Christ gave us a very powerful, difficult directive, and he said, be perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect. That's our mission for everybody. But as a man in particular, what does that mean for you? It means that you're gonna be perfect as God is perfect. What it really means is that you need to ask yourself, what does that mean that God is perfect? Because we can look at our friends and we can look around and be envious of other people and say, gosh, I really wish I was like that person over there. Or I really wish that, you know, how come that guy's much better at sports than I am? How come that guy's always the team captain? I wanna be the team captain. Well, are you working for it? Are you putting effort into it? Do you understand what it means to be a, a team captain? Do you understand what the, what the responsibility of the team captain is? Is that something that you want for yourself? Well, you're going to have to ask yourself the same questions that we're going to ask ourselves this after the break. Be perfect as your Father in Heaven is perfect. Well, do, What does that mean? Do I really want that perfection? Do I understand what that perfection is? Well, hopefully, we can get a little step closer to understanding that when we come back from the break. All right, well, welcome back to the Dr. Blue Sandoval Show here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Today, we are talking about what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to raise a man more than anything else? And what is this whole idea of manhood? You know, before the break, we were talking, uh, I was thinking about, gosh, what am I going to tell my son, you know, someday when he is moving through life and he finds that things are difficult? Or, you know, how do I get him prepared for the difficulties of this world? It's not an easy thing to do. It's not something easy to talk about. Um, especially in today's day and age, you know, there's so many different terms out there, such as, uh, that, that are bringing men down and, and making it seem like, you know, men are the source of evil in this world and that patriarchy is bad. Well, you know, we're going to look at this from the perspective of the way God set it up. Um, we have to understand who God is and, and what he asks of us. And ultimately, you know, being a man means that you understand that you are born, that God made us male and female. You're born a male is what I would tell my son. And God has a plan for us as such. And if God gave you this gender, he gave you this perspective on life. um, He wants you to use that for his greater glory, you know, and ultimately he wants you to be perfect. Just as Jesus told us, be perfect. Therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect, that is Matthew chapter five, verse 48, seems like a big, big goal. It seems too big to attain. How am I supposed to be perfect? Like God is perfect. That's, that's impossible. God is all perfect, always present everywhere. God is, how can I reach that? How, how am I supposed to, how am I supposed to be that? I can't, I'm just a man. Well, we got to understand who God is, first of all, and we've got to understand what our relationship with God is. Can we ever come to a full understanding of that? By golly, I hope when I get to heaven, maybe I'll get a little step closer because that's the challenge. That's the St. Augustine speaking of saying, gosh, you know, when he's before God, he's going to ask him, he's going to have two questions. He's going to look at God and he's going to say, who are you? and who am I? Because that is ultimate humility right there where you are truly saying, I know nothing, but the only thing I do know is that you, my God, have all the answers. Because if you think of it that way, who are you? I have no idea who you are. I'm here on this planet. I know that you've been communicating with me. I know that you've been, uh, uh, influencing my life. I know that you've been influencing my heart because at times I want to be closer to you. And at times I just want to battle it out. And at times it feels like you're not there. And at times I feel so confused. And in all of this, I want to know who you are at the same time throughout this whole journey. I have no idea who I am because we've never met. It's almost like a child in a womb. You know, I know certain things. I know that you're feeding me. I know that you're caring for me. I know that I'm in a safe place here in this womb. um, I hope you know i hope that you're going to carry me through and be my mother um but who are you i don't know you yet and guess what the mom is also saying i don't know who you are i know you're in my womb i know that you've got a little personality in there i can tell you're moving around but we're going to get to know each other when you come out of this womb i truly think that that's what heaven's going to be like that's what i would tell my son don't try to find out too much on this planet try to find out as much as you can but don't try to find out too much when you're come upon a question where You're never going to be able to answer it. Who is God? You're going to contemplate on the Trinity, understand that it's there. And we might not never know, but let your heart be at peace, knowing that God is in charge and let him do that. Be perfect as God is perfect. Well, what do we know about God that I can hopefully attain? God's perfection comes from the fact that he is pure love. That's really what it comes down to. He knows all and he is pure love and God cares more about love than about knowledge. How do I know that? Because if we look at the Bible, if we look at the way Christ was, remember the Apostle said, hey, are we ever going to know the Father? And Jesus says, you've been with me this whole time. How can you not know the Father? Jesus did not leave salvation for the learned, for the academics. When Our Lady appears, she doesn't appear to the professors, to people with lots of degrees, with people who've gone through college for a long time, right? That's me, Dr. Sandoval. You've been through college for a long time. Don't anticipate uh, that you're going to have an apparition all of a sudden, necessarily when we get too smart for ourselves, that's a problem. We start to become narcissistic. We start to feel like, oh, I know better. We start to feel like, um, you know, I'm, I'm too smart to hang out with a proletariat. I need to hang out with the intellectuals. And my son, what I want to tell you is Jesus spoke in parables. And those are my favorite stories in the Bible. It's not about the academics. It's about the parables. It's going to be simple. If it's going to be so simple that anybody on this planet, irrespective of how much access they had to academics, to intellect, to books, somebody who's never read a thing can still be saved. That tells me that God is much more simple and more powerful than I can even understand. But what I do understand is that if everybody has a potential to be saved, he must have loved us a lot, especially to send his only son, right? John three sixteen to the world, because that's how much God loved the world. Be perfect as God is perfect. Perfect yourself in love. Learn how to love, not learn how to lust. You're going to be moments, you know, as men, we're going to go through moments in our lives where, you know, lust can be a very powerful, powerful force. It can be a strong temptation for us. Nope, that's not love, my son. You need to learn what love truly is. But I'm not perfect. I'm not going to teach you entirely what love is. I can help guide you. It's up to you and your relationship with God himself to understand what love is. And we're going to look at God. God is perfect. We want to be perfect like God how does god love we need to understand something because one day regardless of where you are as a man you're going to be the head of something there's there's no question about it if you become a priest you're the head of your parish there's no question about it and god's going to tell you hey you when you know when we ask ourselves and then what we took my last breath and where am i god's going to say hey father you were the head of that parish you were the pastor you were the head of of the sheep i put you in charge of the flock what did you do with the head of that what about if you're married You're the head of your family. It doesn't matter that you're the head of the family. God's going to say, hey, you were the man of the house. You were the head of the family. The buck stopped with you. How did you handle that now? What I need you to understand, my son, which, you know, some men learn, some don't, some understand or not, but from a Catholic perspective, being the head of something does not mean being the boss of something. It means that you are there to serve this is really what it comes down to is being the head of something. A lot of people think that being the head of something means a whole lot of power and that you're the boss and that you're in charge and your way or the highway. That's tyranny. And that's not, you're going to be your role as a man moving up in the world. If you want to be truly successful, if you want to be at peace, what you're going to realize is being the head of something means that you are actually a servant to many and you better know how to love and not how to be loved, because that's really what it comes down to as far as God's perfection. How does God love? God gives. God's love is outward. It's not inward. It's a giving love. God looks in his heart and he gives us everything. God is constantly giving. Jesus always gave. He didn't even have a place to lay his head on this planet. He was giving. That's all that there was to it. God was just a giving God. That's what it means to love. It means to give. This is what we need to do as heads of our family. What does it mean? You know, I can tell you from as a head of a family, what that means. I can teach you that. I can't teach you what that means as a priest. I'm not a priest. I don't, I don't run a parish, but my guess is it's pretty similar in many ways. You're going to carry a burden. You're going to carry the burden because being the head of something is not easy. People are going to look to you for answers and you might not always have them. And this is where you need to turn to God. But here's one thing I can tell you when you get married, it's not about you. You know, a lot of times we think of, you know, as a guy, oh, i want to get married because I'm going to have children. I want to have a family and I want to lead this family. That's a great perspective to have. I'm going to lead this family. But does that mean I'm going to tell this family what to do and when to do it and how to do it? I'm going to suggest and I'm going to guide because that's just the way God does it. I'm not God, but I'm learning from God. And I got to learn that I need to give of myself. That's what it means to be a man, really, to give of yourself. You look at Christ but at, right before the moment of his death, you'd think, you know, before I'm going to die, if I'm going to die, I'm going to take care of really important things. All the minutiae of the world goes away. Well, at the last supper, Christ was taking care of some pretty important things. He said, this is it. I know I'm going to die. I better get things in order. One of the first things he did is he said, we're going to institute the Eucharist, right? First, we're going to get together guys. And we've got to have a talk because I'm about to be, I'm about to be trashed right now. I'm about to be crucified. And I need to leave you guys with some very important information. One, I'm going to set up the Eucharist. Okay after I set up the Eucharist, the next most the next important thing that I'm going to do is wash your feet. I need to serve you. I need to teach you how to serve. That's the next most important thing. That's got to be pretty darn important. The lesson on how to serve, Jesus said, if you want to be great in heaven, you got to be a servant. Understand what I did, what I have done for you, you must do. He washed everybody's feet. He served them. He said, because the 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 least will be great in heaven and the the people who are most important will be will not be great in heaven. They're going to be at the lower levels in heaven. You need to learn how to serve. And that's what I would tell my son. That's really what it means to be a man, to be at the service of your family, to be at the service of others and to be at the service because we're at the service of God. That's why we do it. You know, when you get married, it's easy for a lot of guys to say, well, I'm going to, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to have my man cave. I'm going to be off to the side. I'm going to tell my wife what to do. I'm going to expect her to serve me and I'm expect her to get some food on the table and, you know, take care of everything around the house and everything's better be perfect when I come home and everybody better be in a good mood. Well, that's not the way it works. The way it works is I'm going to come home and I'm going to see what does everybody need. And if my wife wants to cook and put dinner on the table, well, what can I do to help her accomplish that? If all of a sudden your kids come home and they're not in a good mood, what can I do to help them accomplish to be their best? What can I do to help the household be at its best? And when you get married, you better find a partner who kind of has the same idea, who understands that marriage isn't about them. You know, that's one of the things I would tell my son is, you know, more than likely the majority of us have a calling to to marriage or at least get married, even if we're not, even if we haven't prayed or asked ourselves if we truly have a calling for it, you know, marriage is, is, uh, is the most common of the sacraments, uh, that we see, you know, aside from baptism, of course, everybody gets baptized in first communion, hopefully confirmation, confession, of course, those are ubiquitous. Those are for everybody, regardless of what your calling is. But in terms of, you know, whether we're going to be going into holy orders or, or going into a married sacramental life. The majority of us end up going to a married sacramental life. What does it mean to be a man in that case? What does it mean to be a man leading the house? It means that I understand what it means to love my wife. I ask myself, what does she need? Before I ask myself, what do I need? Now, don't get me wrong. We're not talking about relationships. That's for another day. Of course, it's got to be a 100 and a 100% because we can't keep tally. We can't keep, uh, you know, we can't ask ourselves, well, geez, if you did this, this, and this, then I'll do this, this, and this. Nope part of being the head of the family means I'm going to do my job regardless of what's going on around me. And I'm going to help around the house. And I'm going to, you know, go try to provide for my family. And I'm going to be there. The other thing I'm going to tell my son is a lot of guys, a lot of times guys don't understand a lot. Well, partially because society doesn't tell us this society doesn't want us to understand this, but sometimes you just need to be home. You know, it's good to go out. It's good to go out, hang out with your buddies every now and then, and, and just change the pace and get the the brain to relax. But Son, you gotta understand what the presence of a man means in the household. Just being in the house, you are gonna create a presence. What kind of presence are you creating? Are you a positive force? Are you somebody who, when you come home, the family's so happy, dad's home? Or does the family scatter? You got to ask yourself these questions. These are hard questions to ask because you got to look at yourself internally. You got to look at your own heart and ask yourself where am I at in terms of leading with family? Where am I at in terms of loving my family and being a man? We're out for the break. All right. Well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval show. Today, we are talking about. Raising a man, being a man, what does it mean to be a man? You know, these are eternal questions that I'm not going to have the answers to, but hopefully, um, you know, as I raise a son, we can have some insight together and we can grow together. You know, it gets, it can be challenging, um, uh, to bear the burden of being a man sometimes. You know, I I think that guys understand what I'm, what I'm saying by this. You know, you wake up every day, you got to take a shave, you got to, um, do certain things and, and, um, you ask yourself every day as you're walking, am I, am I doing the right thing? Am I not? Um, maybe not every day for some guys, but overall, it's a great question to ask, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a happy burden if you will, because you gotta ask yourself, am I providing for my family before uh, the break? I was talking about, you know, what does the family feel like? I'm gonna ask myself, what, what does your family feel like uh, when you come home? You know, it's it's great to provide for the family. What are you providing for the family? It feels great to be able to provide as far as the material things. You know, kids need shoes. That's great, wonderful. Yeah, we can do that. Okay, let's look at the budget. You know, wow, that feels pretty good. You know, gosh, we're going to go out to eat. We're going to splurge a little bit. You know, we don't always go out. Let's go out to eat a little bit. Yeah, okay, we got that in the budget. Okay, good. We, I, I was frugal. I didn't buy that at whatever extra little knickknack I didn't need on Amazon or ten of them or whatever, um, and I saved up some money so we can we can do that. That feels pretty good. What we don't realize sometimes is, you know, we think about providing for the material all the time. That's easy to do. We we provide for the material. Uh, we provide for the body, right? We want to make sure that if the kids are sick, boy, I hope we have health insurance and make sure that we get them in and, and get the medication they need. Boo, they're feeling better. Awesome. That's great. One of the questions we have to ask ourselves though, is what am I providing for the emotional well-being of my family? What am I providing for the spiritual well-being of my family? When was the last time? that I came home and I said, boy, one of my jobs is to make sure that my children are educated in the faith and to make sure that my family gets to heaven. I'm supposed to be steering the ship to heaven. When was the last time we asked ourselves that as men? When was the last time we went over and sat down with our family and said, Hey, we got to have a family meeting. That's pretty powerful right there. Just to say, we got to have a family meeting. Everybody's got to come and sit down. Now we can think, well, yeah, we have dinner every night. We sit down together at dinner. Okay. Is it a family meeting or is it just, we got to eat? You know, that there's a big difference in that, you know, because everybody's got to eat, everybody's going to want to eat. And we say, Hey, I brought some, uh, you know, good fast food, or I brought some, uh, here in Southern California, you bring yourself some in and out, you bring yourself a, a nice pizza or something. And everybody's happy that there's good food on the table. Okay, great. I provided for a nice material food, but then what am I providing spiritual food? Are we sitting, as we're sitting down here eating this, this wonderful meal that everybody's happy about, that's a great time to say, Hey, this, this food's good. How are we doing with our spiritual food? You know, what what is it that's going on in our lives spiritually? Are, do we feel like we're, we, where we are, need to be? Uh, are we headed in the right direction? Does everybody feel like we're kind of headed towards heaven here? You know, that's man's role. As the head of the family, as the spiritual head of the family, you got to sit down and say, hey, do we feel like we're lacking something? Now, I don't need to know everybody's sins because again, one of the biggest challenges is my son, your relationship with God is your relationship with God. There's nothing I can do about that. The same way my relationship with God, I realize now as I get older, my parents don't have much to do with it other than they guided me. They guided me in the faith and that's, they did their job there. Now it's up to me to decide, Hey, what am I doing with that? You know, wh- where's my life with God? Because when we die, when we take that last breath and where am I, it's just going to be me by myself in that, in, in front of that judge asking, he's going to be asking me, okay, how's our relationship? And the question is, you know, I said, it's going to be my judge or is it going to be my friend? Is it going to be me standing there in front of a throne where I'm worried about what he's going to say because I haven't spoken to him in a long time? In fact, I know that I've been away from him for a while. Or, my son, are you going to, when it's your turn for your last breath, and we ask ourselves, now what? Are you going to say, hey, I got to go meet my friend? We've been talking for a long time. I've been praying for a long time. Can't wait to meet him. Yeah, I know I've fallen short, but I got to talk to him, man. I got to apologize for whatever I've done. I got to get there and I got to. Um, make sure that we're on the up and up because there's nothing more than I want than to be with him. That's the relationship I want you to have. That's really what we got to ask ourselves when I'm sitting at that table. Am I providing an environment for my family as we're having the scrumptious meal to say, Hey, does everybody feel like that Jesus is their friend, that they're going to go to a friend? And if not, am I providing an environment where I say, Hey, we all got to go to confession as a family. Let's go, We do this as a family, we go to mass as a family, we receive the Eucharist as a family. let's go to confession as a family. we're going to set a confession date every month. you know, and if somebody feels like they need it sooner, let's go. Let's do it sooner. If somebody feels like they need counseling. let's make sure that we talk to a good priest and get some counseling and you know whatever it is, am I providing what is spiritually necessary for the family because more than anything else, the world's going to tell you so many different things. My son these are they're going to say. You know, you're, as a man, you're, you're providing toxicity as a man, you're providing this and that. That's what the world says. That's not what God's going to say. God made us, you know, God made us men and he gave us all the male attributes that we have. It's up to us to decide, do we want to use them for good or for evil? It's both exist inside of us. The potential for both. God gave us free will. God gave us a choice. God said, Hey, You've got the potential to choose. And that's really what it comes down to. You know, you already are a man. Are you going to choose to be a man? Are you going to choose to look at that mission from God and move in that direction and decide, Hey, I'm going to provide a presence in my house where everybody who comes in understands that this is the house that belongs to our Lord. Am I providing that presence as a man? That's a, that's a tough question to, you know, it's something that only each person has to answer for themselves and they got to look at their family. But at the same time, if you're married, you know, you got to do this with your wife. There's no question about it. There's a sacrament there. You know, son, are you going to look at your wife and say, hey, what are we doing as a sacrament? Because now it's no longer just me. Now it's you and me and we've united ourselves. There's a mystical connection that's happening here, you know, in our marriages. We don't think about that. It's easy to look at the priesthood and say, wow, you know, he that priest, he, he does the mass. He, he forgives my sins or something supernatural there. Well, guess what? There's something supernatural in our union in your union with your wife, which is why you got to pick wisely. Who do I want to supernaturally connect with? Who's going to be on the same page? Who's going to understand that I've got to navigate the ship and she's got to be my first mate navigating it as well. You know, that we're both navigating the ship together and we have this mystical union um, where we need to provide this environment. Because some days I'm not going to feel like steering the ship and I hope that she nudges me and says, Hey, we got to pray. And I say, gosh, you're, no, you're, you're right. You're right. Are you going to have the wherewithal as a guy to realize that, to realize that your wife is your partner and that you are now one and that there's a supernatural connection where if she's not feeling good, you're not going to be feeling good. If you're feeling good, she's going to be feeling good. Are you doing that? Do you realize that if you are not praying, your family's not going to be doing as well as they could be because you're not allowing for those graces to flow into the house. You're the head of the household. You're opening the door for those graces right? If we look at marriage in a Trinitarian perspective and in a Catholic perspective, you know, you're providing the the household. The wife is kind of distributing the graces, if you will, the same way that our Lord made it so that our lady distributes the graces. But are you providing a happy environment for your wife? Are you understanding that your wife's going to have particular needs? Are you ready to shut out the world and realize that your wife is who you're going to die for? Because that's what you said when you were dating, That's what you said when you were getting married. Boy, it was a great time. I love you and nothing else. Boy, I'm going to let everything go and I'm going to make sure that I write you love letters and I'm going to make sure that I'm there to pick you up for dates and I'm going to make sure that I'm calling you every day. And then when we get married, are we still doing that? You know, are you still leading that family? And if you're going to be a priest, how's that any different? Are you loving your congregation? Are you creating an environment in that parish where the people feel like they can come and be closer to Christ? and let go of their sins, and come to you for confession, and trust that your intentions are to bring everybody closer to God and make sure that that congregation makes it to heaven. No different than the domestic church or the individual family, bigger responsibility as far as the number of people in charge, but regardless, everything we do every day, every interaction we're gonna have every day is, are we getting closer to heaven or not? And if I, if my words don't make sense, my son, or if you know they fall short, Sometimes we don't want to listen to our, our fathers, our family members, because we think, what do they know? You know, gosh, I've lived with you all day long. I've seen your imperfections, dad. I know you're not perfect. I know you can be lazy at times. I know that things aren't always falling into place in the household. All right. I'm not perfect. That's right. I'm glad that we can admit that. None of us are perfect. But let's turn to the word of God sometimes. Why not? What If I were to sit down with my son and say, hey, what is it that you need to read? Of course, the gospels, hands down, are going to be number one. Right, the New Testament, the Gospels, the Epistles, but on a daily basis, almost like you know, you guys, we don't keep diaries, we don't write things down, but I would say on a daily basis, I would tell my son, open the book of Proverbs, and read something every day. Read something from Proverbs every day. You can find different ways to read it, but the reality is, um, you know, you can. There's 31 chapters. You can read a chapter a day if you want. Sometimes that's a lot because. And I say it's a lot, it's not a lot, but it's, it's a lot in terms of these things are deep and you want to digest it. And Jesus, just like Jesus said, you want to gnaw on the Eucharist. Amen, amen, I say to you. Sometimes you want to gnaw on a couple of these. You want to do some Lectio Divina on these. And if people don't know what Lectio Divina is, we should have another talk on that. Lectio Divina is probably one of the best meditations we can do because it's the words of God in our hearts all day long, where we're just gnawing on one or two verses. But this is what I would tell my son. We're going to read chapter four here of Proverbs, 31 chapters. If if you as a man have not read the book of Proverbs, that's where I would say, what does it mean to be a man? Read the book of Proverbs, and that will guide us in the right direction of getting closer to God. But here's what I would tell my son. Chapter four, a father's advice. This is Proverbs chapter four. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father... Tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Get wisdom, get insight. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a fair garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. The first thing I'm telling my son, this is great. It's called Father's Advice. And the first thing he's, this you know Solomon's telling is saying here is gain wisdom. Not knowledge, not intellect, wisdom. It's very different. Very, very different. Hear, my son, and accept my words that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered, and if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Do not go on in it. Turn away from it and pass on, for they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. That's some wisdom right there. Stay away from evil. Ultimately, what I would tell my son is, let's sit down. Let's read the book of Proverbs. Let's find some wisdom. We're gonna to have to do a whole show on the book of Proverbs because uh, there's gonna be a part two to this for for men. You know What is it that we need to know? There's a lot of wisdom, a lot of deep verses in here that if we've never read, you know, they speak to the heart and they speak to the heart of be a better man, be a better man, not for the world, not for yourself, if nothing else, for God. So that once we get there, once we have our last breath, we can say, yeah, You know, I'm going to go meet my friend. Why? Because I followed his words. And in my heart, I sought wisdom. Until next week, hopefully any dads out there, any men out there, if you have any questions, feel free to email me. But until then, I would say, keep it Catholic. That's the best way to be a man. Until next week, this is Dr. Shandoval saying, keep it Catholic.